Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on March 27th, 2016. And this is a continuation of last week's talk. Oh, what a web our masters weave. Because people really just get the news, and news is meant to confuse you. It's deliberately written to confuse you. Naturally, it's going to confuse you because when you have most of the information on any particular story omitted to give you a better picture of it all, then things won't make any sense to you. And that's why it's designed in such a way. You're not meant to know everything because, you see, you, all the little people out there of the world, uh, can't handle it, you see. You can't handle the fact that your country's leaders are all appointed, not by the people, belong to one big club, guaranteed to go towards and sworn to go towards globalization and the end of national boundaries and the end of sovereign nations. That's the whole intention of it. And you must basically destroy existing cultures along the way. I've gone through so much material over the years explaining the history of this massive movement that is now overwhelming. It's everything. And the the groups behind it, basically. Don't be deceived by terms. I'm always amazed how amazing it really does work on people's minds when you label something and give it a name. And you get stuck on that name. Even if whatever you're describing changes, you still call it the same name, like conservative and liberal or Democrat or whatever. It's it's amazing to me how folk get stuck in it. They can't see that there's only one movement for one agenda. And again, that creates anger and confusion amongst the populace who always get caught up at the time of voting by the usual rhetoric of left-wing, right-wing, and so on, never realizing that nothing's going to get better for you because you're in the century of change the century where everything that was planned a couple of hundred years ago has to come into fruition and fulfillment, be completed in 100 years. It doesn't mean it's all going to be done at the end. It's been done as you live, all, all through your life, in fact. And it's happening right now. I've gone through the histories, again, the archive section, at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, uh, are a, a, a incredible wealth of information. And again, don't get stuck on the terms, even the Lord Alfred Milner group that was a, a front for the people really in it and at the very, very top. This still exists today, by the way. And there's always a reason why they give themselves a different name to cover who they really are. And of course, the Royal Institute of International Affairs and their, and their American branch of CFR, Council of Foreign Relations. And they have branches across the entire planet. They run the Trilateral Commission. They're all selected from their members. And they're on the whole world. I've gone through the history. I won't go over it again. It's too boring for me. And the thing is, though, unless you understand it all, you won't understand a thing that's happening today. You'll live in confusion and anger. You'll wonder why the nations are being flooded across Europe with millions and millions of rather hostile, uh, what they're calling refugees. And yet, if you look at any of the, the little clips from YouTube and so on, 
of massive hordes of young guys flooding in, angry as can be, uh, and uh, literally threatening to demolish you and eradicate you. And then you wonder why your governments are doing nothing about it. Because, because it's a big plan, you see. It's a big plan. The whole history of the world for the last few hundred years, actually, has always been a particular high group at the top manipulating other countries and peoples for their own ends, not for the peoples of the countries involved ends, but for their own particular ends again. And uh, they actually made it British policy for a long time, which they call balance of power. But even then, Britain was conquered already by the financial system and things like that. So uh, nothing really changes except the ferocity of the changes at particular periods of time. Now, many folk joined the socialist organizations across Europe after World War One, because the fallout was so incredible. I mean, hardly a person across all involved countries didn't lose at least at least one person in their family, and often um, all the male members of their families in Britain and Germany and elsewhere. It was so horrific, and we saw for the first time the, the incredible horror of mass mechanization, science uh, coupled with mechanization and production uh, really uh, create a, a horror show where shells sometimes the size of Volkswagen are getting hurled above your heads and coming down, blowing everybody to bits across battlefields that they were told to run across and get cut down by Machine gun bullets, heavy machine gun bullets that were thicker than rainfall, you didn't have a chance. It was so incredible. But again, it was also written about in advance by the group that wanted to bring in a world government. And this world government said, or organization said, that uh, they'd have to bring the nations to their knees. And what better way than to create world war? So they created what they called the Great War and eventually called it the World War One. And they brought in a second one because it wasn't enough to get folk on their knees. Out of World War One, they got the League of Nations, I suppose a drum table, a nucleus for a world government to stop sovereign nations doing what they, they wanted and uh, eventually to amalgamate them into trading blocks and then under a one super world government. So it's been awfully successful, and we've been living through it, so we are parents and grandparents, actually. So the League of Nations through from World War One, and then they give it far more power to intervene through treaties and all the rest of it with the United Nations, which are under today. It's no coincidence that the United Nations is an authoritarian establishment. It's nothing to do with democracy. It uses the term often when they want to send its armed forces of NATO into countries of pushing democracy, but it's not democratic in itself, its own setup. You don't get to vote for the United Nations or what they're up to. And your politicians, when they're running for elections, never mention the United Nations and what their stance on it will be or anything else. So you really don't have what you think are the sovereign powers that you, you once thought you had. Now, you can understand even, again, I've gone through the history in the past of what nations actually are, how they developed and became nations and all that. And you have to understand there are ethnic groups in the world. Everyone's belonged to some kind of ethnic group. 
And I don't want to mention this today. We're all supposed to be the same. And, of course, there are vast, incredible differences in ethnic groups that always pop up and show the, the, these differences in rather nasty ways at times. So we're living in a mind-controlled society where they've had, since the 60s especially, the incredible psychological indoctrination on the general populace to get them brainwashed and to dislodge basically primal instincts of, of their of the pride in their own people, basically. And you've also had cultural attacks to destroy the very things that gave you homogeneity of a people. And so you question the point of anything. And when you do that, you're defenseless against people who certainly can be brought in with very evil intentions and who are radical and who know exactly who they are. And they haven't had the psychological indoctrinations that you have to weaken your own particular self-survival processes. So this is all managed this way. And of course, you're not really allowed to talk about it anymore. Because again, through the, 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 the nonsensical Orwellian indoctrination, we truly have been given. Now, basically, this organization, which uh, had decided to create world wars, again, written about by their own personal archival historians, went through the whole process of managing the world for over 100 years in advance of what they actually did. And how they do it, of course. Now we know it's all through the think tanks which they own, through the educational systems which they completely control, and what's to be taught and indoctrination, social engineering, right down to what you only watch for what you think is entertainment, which is more indoctrination. And the idea is to constantly chip away, chip away, chip away. It's any kind of identity, basically of the countries involved in World War One and World War Two. That was the, that's the main intention. And again, many of the organizations, the sub-organizations, which became, say, Labour in Britain and so on, and basically communistic uh, philosophy, uh, still runs their, the system today, is internationalism, really had such a horror of World War One and then two. They thought something has to be done. These white folk are all going around killing each other on a massive scale. It also devastated the finances of the country and enriched the big bankers who lent them the cash. And never mind all the industry that produces everything soldiers and armies and air forces and navies need. So they couldn't go on like that forever. So they became the helpers, basically, the willing, the very willing helpers that really didn't know that there's another group behind it uh, that actually brought on World War One and Two. H.G. Wells talked about it with glee, in fact, about the coming World War, or the Great War, World War One. And, uh, and at the end of it, he said, well, the, the countries still haven't given up their national sovereignty. They're not on their knees yet. We need another World War. And now, he wrote lots of non-fictional propaganda for this organization that ran him, and this organization run the left wing and the right wing. And the left wing is globalist, of course, and pretends to be on the side of the ordinary person, the Fabian Society. 
but they're utter, um, they're eugenicists at the top. They believe in a, a structured, controlled, managed society run by professionals and experts, none of this democracy stuff. And all sides of the, the agenda don't believe in democracy. That One of their biggest think tanks, in fact, the Club of Rome, said that uh, in one of their writings that democracy would never work. There are too many competing factions all demanding certain things and special privileges and rights and so on. And they should know because their organization had helped create all these different divisions and uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, to create all these different factions. Remember, to divide anything up, you must get everybody fighting everybody else on ideologies, etc. So it's been awfully successful, and I knew this a long time ago. Awful, many years before, before I came to the, this country here and so on, I'd read the books. Uh, not a joker that says that he did and copied my stuff, but the fact is I did read all the books when I was young. But uh, they were quite explicit in what they were going to do, how they were going to do it, and the, the behaviorists they were bringing into it to manage uh, indoctrinations in school and having the same behaviorist work with film producers and so on and writers to get the indoctrinations across. So every facet of everything is controlled, you see. And uh, you just don't get any real truth today about anything, to be honest with you. Any event that happens, you'll get a little bit of truth with a spin to get along with the agenda, to make the agenda go to the next step and the next step. And we know from all the so-called terrorist attacks and so on, you've been having for a long time, uh, what happens is you and everybody around you is under total martial law of the mind and of the, of the voice and of your writing hand or your typing hand or whoever it happens to be. They must know everything you're doing 24 hours a day, the totalitarian system, basically. And if you don't go along with it, you're punished, you see. You'll have rights withdrawn, which they call privileges, of course. So you don't really have a, a right of free speech at all. That's forbidden in some countries. And in fact, everyone complaining in France today and some of the other countries in Europe go to jail uh, for voicing opposition to the big agenda. The present chaos that is happening and will definitely exacerbate very quickly with massive influx of young fighting age men into into Europe who are again going to the YouTube ones or this is not made up, these aren't actors uh, when you see them flooding through the streets like armies basically of Europe uh, screaming and hollering and uh, all the rest of it they're telling you how much they hate you right there and they actually have been taught by those who helped bring them in that these people around you and these native countries in Europe are now defenseless psychologically in every other way. And you can see it in their attitudes and the way that they're talking and bragging about what they're going to do. So, quite a job has been done. It's happening now because now is the right time to do it all, you see. It's not a sudden happening at all. It's been planned for many years introduced on a smaller basis over many years, and now it's the time, now that everyone's psychologically disabled, to do it, to make it happen. And everyone feels defenseless, they feel guilty if they say this is wrong, because they've been so much propagandized and had all their Pavlovian conditioning given to them over their whole lifetime, in fact. So it definitely is a strategy. 
So um, never think that things are just happening. Again, the media always give you things as though they're sudden. Nothing sudden about anything. Uh, it takes a lot of preparation over generations to get people to that condition of being defenseless in many, many ways. Uh, and, and even obeying uh, their own governments, they think it's their own governments, uh, to shut up about it. Uh, uh, that, that. Now, why don't you, if your government, for instance, got invaded in, a, in what you think is a usual war uh, and tell you to surrender, it's a different thing. But you've been told to surrender in a thousand other ways without the actual terms being used is quite interesting for me to watch it all, but not surprising at all. And I'll be touching back on this again later in this talk. But to continue from last week and the free trade deals and all the rest of it, which leads all up into it, of course, because I went through the whole free trade farce as well, too, and the history behind all of that. It's all one group behind everything. It's really astonishing. And this article was from February, and it says, Statistics Canada published the year-end trade numbers for 2015 last week, confirming another miserable year for Canada's engagement with the global economy. Total merchandise uh, exports declined 0.6%. Non-energy exports are showing promising growth, but not enough yet to offset reduced energy exports. Meanwhile, imports swelled 4.5%, creating the biggest trade deficit in Canadian history. Well, I can remember the NAFTA deals and when they talked about eventually worldwide free trade, uh, they, uh, they said that Canada's main export will be raw resources from mines, raw resources, uh, and of course the wood and, and lumber, etc. That's always been the intention. And this is one particularly bitter result involves South Korea, with whom we implemented a free trade deal last January 1st. Far from helping Canada's lousy export performance, free trade with South Korea seems to be hurting it. Well, free trade, remember, is it supposed to be a two-way street. That's how all uh, utopias are sold to you when they're lying to you. And had no intention of getting it this way. And you also pay uh, these countries that are classed as third-world countries. Even China, they're still classed as a third-world country. And uh, they pay them money to bring up their hospital status and, and school systems and, and build dams for them, things like that. You, your tax money pays for all that. So this is a, another con, of course, but it was as part of the big global plan. And then go on to this one here. To do with Donald Trump, it was quite interesting because the U.S. is a basket case too, as we all know. It's a massive indoctrination again. But every year, or every time there's elections and all the rest of it, but every year too, top politicians must go to the APEC meeting to promise um, basically Israel uh, of their support, etc., and which tells you you can't be a national nation if you have to have uh, go off and promise and promise in order to keep your political system going. But they're going about uh, Donald Trump and uh, what he's promised them in the past and what he's promising them now, of course. I'm just going to touch on some of these topics. and I'll put them all up tonight for you to look up yourself if you're really interested in them at all. And then you have... Uh, of course, the APAC meeting was last weekend. This is the editor-in-chief of a top Jewish-American newspaper is calling for a boycott of Donald Trump. 
uh, to meet with top uh, is to meet with top Republicans before the APAC speech. Well, he did, of course. Jane Eisner of the Forward, as a Jewish newspaper, published a list this week of suggestions for attendees of the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee conference. And the top of the list is very packed to disinvite the GOP presidential frontrunner who said he will speak Monday, or else give him a time slot between 3.45 a.m. or directly before the Democratic rival Hillary Clinton gets on, of course, and let her eviscerate him. That'll give him a taste of what's to come, Eisner wrote. So uh, that's one article. And then Jewish leaders to protest Trump at pro-Israel conference. It's quite amazing when I read through some of these articles from the Jewish newspapers because, again, another country has to be supported and the the political agendas of that other country and, again, the the continuing promise by all of the U.S. presidents or potential presidents to support and financially support and and, uh, military support for Israel. It has to be, all be promised, promised, and, and more than just promises. But in one of the articles, it talked about how under Obama's reign, the, uh, Israel's had three times as much financial aid as it was under George Bush Jr. So it's amazing how money runs everything again. Eh? And I'll put a, a, some links up on all of this stuff if you're interested in that too. And then we have this article here about the bank bail-ins. Uh, amazing, because all European well, every country is under now the, the Bank for International Settlements, set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs way back uh, to deal with all the future problems which they were definitely guaranteed to uh, cause, to bring in their global system again. And they're, they're basically flat society, for the majority of the public to be broke, well, it's the small lead at the top run everything, and then they bring in all the experts to run all the crises, and you know, food rationing, energy rationing, all that stuff, which they call austerity, remember. But in the meantime, you're still going through the, the, uh, the con games uh, as they get ready to steal all your money. It says bank bail-in provision, CDIC, financial position, what every Canadian needs to know about budget 2016. The federal Canadian government unveiled its stimulus budget 2016, March 22nd, which included information about the majority Liberal Party's intention to implement the banking bail-in regime. Now, that was already signed anyway. I've gone through the history of that in the past. To protect Canadian taxpayers in the unlikely event of a large bank failure. So that's good. They're going to protect you, you see, the taxpayer. And if a big bank fails, the government is proposing to implement a bail-in regime that would reinforce that bank shareholders and creditors are responsible for the bank's risks, not the taxpayers. This would allow authorities to convert eligible long-term debt of a failing systemically important bank into common shares to recapitalize the bank and allow it to remain open and operating. Such a measure is in line with international efforts to address the potential risks to the financial system and broader economy of institutions perceived as too big to fail. Now, it says here the Canadian government is proposing the mechanism for the banks very similar to provisions currently enforced in Europe for contingent convertible so-called cocoa debt, they call it cocoa debt, as previously referred 
uh, featured with the Inquisitor newspaper. Korean bank accounts are recorded as, and here's the truth when you put money in a bank, your money, savings, whatever, are recorded as liabilities on banks' balance sheets, as a type of debt. Interesting. Did you know that? I knew that, of course, but it's an old uh, con that they've been pulling. The government is is proposing that in the event of another financial crisis, such as was witnessed in 2008, banks could convert accounts to stock. In a similar way that cocoa bond issues have provisions for, and similar to what occurred in Cyprus 2012 to 13, when the government allowed banks to convert about 40% of deposits over $100,000, similar to what's protected in Canada by the CDIC, to shares, resulting in a proportion of the people's savings held in bank accounts they believe were safe, vanishing, as reported by Press for Truth and the Telegraph. Now, don't believe it that if your money is under 100000 uh, they're going to leave it safe. Because if a massive bank goes down in uh, something the size of Canada or the States, they're going to dig in much, much deeper into your so-called debt, the money you put in the bank, your debt, you see. So the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, and the Canadian Liberal government have introduced the new bill and provisions similar to European contingent and so on. Uh, changes to Canada's banking legislation similar to what was implemented in Cyprus. They keep repeating themselves. The goal of governments around the globe is to prevent taxpayer-funded bailouts of too-big-to-fail financial institutions. Uh, The thing is, many taxpayers are also bank account holders. Why does it have to be like this? Why can't bank accounts be safe while at the same time allowing banks to operate profitably without periodically needing massive injections of cash and liquidity from tax-paying account holders? A third factor in the banking safety equation is the Canadian government, its currency and the country's place in the global economy. Justin Trudeau's Liberal government intends to run deficits funded by selling debt for the foreseeable future. So we're just going to sell everything off, I guess as reported by Zero Hedge, which, like cocoa debt, is intertwined with and has implication markets for debt sold by Canadian banks, which the Liberal government is proposing now to have a predetermined bail-in provision where, if things get tough, doesn't have to be fully repaid. So, it ain't safe to put money in the banks. But again, the whole money system is part of the same system to bring in globalism, because the same group that created the, the wars and so on is the whole New World Order idea of, of a world order run by a world governmental system and experts and all that. The same group created the Bank for International Settlements, they created the International Monetary Fund and all the other organizations that you're now always hearing about. And of course, they've, they've created this idea too to, to basically bring into poverty into a new system, you see. And it says, in short, to run the deficits that the Liberal government wants to run to provide all the great services outlined in Budget 2016 that Canadians so dearly want and need, in which in the end may result to increase Canadian productivity and GDP, Canadians are being told, if we give you all this stuff, you have to turn it into higher Canadian GDP creating a larger tax base than a more viable Canadian dollar, or else you might be forced to take 20% of your savings above a certain amount like they did in Cyprus. 
Well, believe you me, when we go down, it's going to be all your savings, folks. And believe you me, again, when you've read through uh, these bail-in provisions and all that, it's so legalistic uh, that, yeah, they can go way beyond that. Believe you me. And that is the intention, of course. Now, on to all this terror stuff, of course. (laughs) And again... Uh, remember what I said at the beginning of my talk about it's all planned this way. And how it's the right time to do it now that you've had generations and totally indoctrinated into despising their own countries and their own nations and their own people, and even down to despising themselves individually, uh, uh, dysfunctionally, uh, that it's now time to do it all, of course. And it says uh, here, Brussels attacker was deported from Turkey, Belgium, notified of terror links. It says here, the Belgian citizen was detained in Turkey's southeastern Giantep province, which borders Syria, July 2015. He was subsequently deported, Erdogan said. One of the attackers in Brussels is an individual who was detained in, in, in June 2015 and deported. We reported a deportation to the Belgian embassy in Ankara. July 14, 2015, but he was later set free. And it goes on and on and on. Now, none of this is by accident, as you well know. It really isn't. It really isn't. If you want to go through life believing that everything is just crazy and people are stupid by letting you know, people let that go, good for you. You're allowed to think that way. Uh, but uh, you've got the authorities all cracked down on you fast enough you say the wrong thing. And uh, believe you me, immediately, in fact. Uh, so, if you believe that people who are involved in terrorism and are, are, are just caught, 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 and caught, and then set free, 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 uh, fine, go back into your dreamland, you see. Your indoctrinated dream. Or think good thoughts, you know, positive stuff that you've been trained to do. Uh, don't look at negative things, things that might be survival orientated. Just think of the positive things, you see. You know, they actually sell wish boxes now. Radiotronic ones. Oh, sounds awfully scientific. Wish boxes for the New Agers. And you think they haven't done a number on us all? Anyway, so they claim this guy was one of the suicide bombers anyway. It's, it's where Brussels uh, jihad is trying to make a radioactive bomb. This is from, I think, last year. Or no, it's actually this year, actually. But it says, uh, and again, too, what is true? Eh? Experts says ISIS may have been plotting to steal nuclear material as 11 power, power plant workers have their access revoked amid fears of insider help. Jihadist brothers Nkalid and Ibrahim El-Bakrui had secretly filmed the daily routine of Belgium's nuclear program chief before they blew themselves up at Brussels airports on a metro train. So they give you a story like this, where they'd put a camera outside the guy's place and had been basically recording his movements and when he left the house and came home at night and so on in order to kidnap him. That's what they think they were, they were doing. This is the terrorist cell responsible for the Paris and Brussels attack was planning to attack an unidentified nuclear power station or try to steal materials from it for a dirty bomb. Uh, again, to be very, very afraid, be very, very afraid, be terrified and all that, as they bring them all in. I mean, does this make sense to you? Huh? Of course it doesn't. 
doublethink, doublethink. Orwell knew all this stuff was coming. And then ISIS army of scientists set to wage chemical and biological war on the West. Then you have that term again, the new priesthood experts warn weapons of mass destruction have been carried undetected into European Union. And that was from uh, December. ISIS has recruited experts with chemistry, physics and computer science degrees to wage war with weapons of mass destruction against the West. You see. Now, when you see all these young guys flooding across in, and like arm, and there are armies of them. There's make no bones about that. I mean, rather hostile and the rest, but they're talking about breeding you out and all the rest of it. And because uh, they've been, they've had their their, their their organization, which is not Muslim, brought who's bringing them in, have been training them to that the defense now is helpless, etc. And they're not breeding, which is a lie, of course. But it doesn't matter because the truth doesn't matter. Facts don't matter in this system. But they believe it, of course. Uh, would they be, when they're going to basically bridge you out and all that, uh, why would they nuke themselves at the same time? Hmm? So it says, uh, here they go. So they're wage war with weapons of mass destruction. Who's going to be afraid with this, you see? Well, it just means more and more of your rights are going to be taken away. And then you have all the the, the, the nonsense by... And be very careful who these people are, or appear to be, because you're generally wrong. But uh, we know about Mr. Sutherland. Uh, it, says, it says here, Irishman, Mr. Sutherland, former Attorney General, who now serves as the UN Special Representative for Migration, said it was utterly excessive to claim that it would be impossible for a Europe of 540 million which is the wealthiest area in the world, well, maybe in the areas he lives, to handle the arrival of a million migrants, even if all of them were refugees and thereby entitled to asylum, he says. Speaking against the background of an agreement between the EU and Turkey for refugees to be sent back to Turkey from Greek islands, he scorned as incredible the notion that plans were being made to set NATO ships into the Aegean to stop unfortunate people who are travelling on energy boats to escape persecution. Uh, these are not... The ones who are marching through Europe and screaming at the, the people who are living there on the way, and the arms up there in their, in their, you know, their, their, their usual uh, aggressive pose with the clenched fist and all that, uh, these aren't refugees, folks. That's not refugees. Don't behave like that. Who are being, who are so happy to get there to escape persecution. And Sutherland, of course, knows that. He's made some amazing statements in the past. This guy. And there's more to this guy than meets the eye. Believe you me, and you have to do a lot of digging to find out. But anyway, that's one of these articles. And then. The EU unveils plan to restore open borders. Uh, Europe has reportedly given Greece until May 12th to register refugees on, on its soil or else extend internal border controls. Meanwhile, EU President Donald Tusk is urging Turkey to do more to reduce migrant outflow. So it's going to unveil its so-called roadmap, I love these roadmaps, to restoring passport-free travel inside the Schengen countries, but wants greater cooperation from Greece. Greece is the main gateway for nearly a million refugees fleeing war, poverty and strife. 
But the arrival of hundreds of thousands of migrants have caused countries like Austria, Germany and Sweden to reinstate passport checks at borders. Sweden and Denmark and Thursday renewed its checks for another month and Germany wants to keep border controls in place but can't do so beyond May 13th without permission from its EU partners. So you're not, you're still, you, you, you can't defend your country anymore and look after the people or, or you're still, this terrible thing like domestic stock of people. You can't look after it anymore. It's forbidden. This, is, this tightening of border controls has left tens of thousands of the refugees fleeing a conflict and poverty stuck in Greece as the EU resettlement plans have largely stalled. And the top UN official migration again, Peter Sutherland, told the Associated Press news agency that 70,000 people could be trapped in Greece. And remember, Greece is bankrupt, folks. Have you forgotten that too? The, the folk, the Greek people are starving. Hmm. The inevitable consequence of closed borders throughout the Balkans is that Greece increasingly becomes a camp for refugees. This is for the global community. See again, the global community. That's world government, if you don't know what that means. Are we prepared to share responsibility or not? Well, you've got big houses, Mr. Sutherland. Why don't you take lots of them in? But he won't, you know. That's only one article. And then another one is, um, I'll, I'll put up his wiki, of course, you can look it up yourself. And you can see some of his history. He was Attorney, attorney General of Ireland, and uh, he's a lawyer, of course, and a senior counsel of the Irish Bar. He's been an, uh, served in a, a variety of international organizations, political and business roles. He's the United Nations Special Rep of the Secretary General for International Migration, appointed in 2006. He's the head of the Global Forum on Migration and Development. He's president of the International Catholic Migration Commission, as well as member of the Migration Advisory Board of the International Organization for Migration. He served as Attorney General Ireland, as I say, European Commissioner responsible for competition policy and Director General of the World Trade Organization. Yeah, yeah, this guy's got a lot. And don't be fooled by what they say he is here. And former chairman of Goldman Sachs International. That's just a coincidence. <laughs> From 95 to 2015. And he's got lots of European Person of the Year awards for his global uh, outlook and so on. Uh, so you can look that up yourself. But again, everything's, believe you on Wiki, things are really heavily uh, censored. But uh, what's new, eh? Now I'll also put up a link to a good video, Overcrowded Britain, uh, and uh, that's what it's called, Unsustainable Immigration, and it's, it's quite interesting. It, it really destroys the baloney of a kind of empty Britain. I mean, Britain really, years ago, had a carrying capacity they claimed was about maximum 45 million people. And now with the official census now, it's up to 60 point something, probably well over 70 million people because of the massive migration they've been forced to have over the years. So uh, it's pretty well gone in Britain. And it's, it's a wealthier country. Um, they're in the same state as every other country. They signed the free trade agreements. 
that they're importing everything and basically exporting nothing. And now you have uh, Nigel Farage, of course, from the UK Independence Party. And he claims national insurance number registrations show the ONS covering up UK immigration levels. Well, everything's covered up, obviously. He's accused the Office for National Statistics of covering up immigration levels and made a row over the number of national insurance numbers granted. Figures released on Thursday put the annual rise in net long-term migration to the UK added a not statistically significant 31,000, but uh, recorded 820,000 national insurance number registrations for foreign citizens in 2015, up 8% on the previous year. Three quarters of those were from within the EU, including 170 Bulgarians, 39,000 Romanians, following the lifting of restrictions on EU two nations. It said the grant showed that the government was pulling the wool over our eyes on migration levels. Why would you vote for governments that literally are not yours? Again, remember, your children, that's how you're, you're, you have to be perceived by governments, and all the bureaucrats know that too. Uh, you can't handle the big plan and the bad news. It will mean for you personally, you see. So uh, they just don't tell you the truth. Uh, that's as simple as that. And then you get Brussels attack populist parties and politicians, including the UKIP, Nigel Farage, Marine Le Pen, and Donald Trump, jump on attack to make anti-immigration case. And populist politicians and parties seize upon the Brussels attack. In the UK, the UK Independence Party jumped on the attacks to highlight what it perceives as weaknesses in the European Union. Michael Hookham, the party's defence spokesman, released a statement within two hours of the attack, saying the horrific act of terrorism shows that Schengen free movement and the lax border controls are a threat to our security. Meanwhile, UKIP's leader, Nigel Fry, said, I'm very upset by events in Brussels today and even more depressed for the future while tweeting an article from The Telegraph highlighting next time you hear the Prime Minister saying that Britain must remain in the EU for the sake of our security, please think of Brussels. Now, I'll also put up a PDF to show you the, the double think indoctrination that you're getting about all of this that I'm talking about tonight. It's a PDF from the European Parliament on unconventional weapons, including all the dirty bombs and stuff. So be very, very afraid and terrified, but you must bring these people in who uh, are going to cause it to happen. Hmm? And then to get back to Farage and the article. You have the pros and cons, the usual thing you get in articles, how the the Prime Ministers and that um, say we're all in it together and blah, blah, blah. And that's the whole thing you see with the totalitarian world system. We're all in it together. That's the slogan, basically. It's not just Brussels and go, it's all of us. It's all of us. No, no, no. no. (laughs) But again, that's to destroy anything left of your logical processes. And it it gives you the different statements by different people who are trying to keep uh, border controls. And they're all called right-wingers now, you see, if you want to believe in keeping your your, your, stock of your people safe. You're you're, you're fascist, you're right-wing, and accept all the usual terms that the globalists use. And then you have this one. Uh, Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker said today, 
That's, the, again, the, the Commission, the European Commission Parliament. He said that better cooperation of member state secret services was needed to respond to the challenge of terrorism. So you don't need to control borders, you just need, you just need uh, to have secret services on all through society, watching again more of us and all of us and everything we do uh, to, to stop terrorism. That's the problem, you see. Uh, so he spoke alongside French Prime Minister Manuel Valls, who visited Brussels in the aftermath of uh, yesterday's terrorist attacks in the capital of the EU. It becomes more and more obvious that we must reflect over the better cooperation between our respective secret services. He said that he recalled the European Council in Tampier, Finland of 1999, had laid down the foundation for such cooperation. and The idea was reaffirmed following the 9-11 terror attacks in the USA. At that time, Juncker was Prime Minister of his native Luxembourg. So you see how it all works for them to bring in the global society where they're in control of everybody's mind and thoughts and so on and they spy on you all worldwide and you have no national secret service at the end of it and then this article European Council held a special meeting on the 15th, 16th October 1989 that's the one you just mentioned there in Tampere on the creation of an area of freedom, security and justice it's freedom, security and justice in the European Union the European Union is a non-democratic system. The politicians appointed by governments, national governments, have no power to change anything. The Commission runs it, and they're elected at the top in a secret ballot by themselves. At the start of proceedings, an exchange of views was conducted with the President of the European Parliament, Mrs. Ms. Nicol Fontaine, on the main topics of discussion. It's determined to develop the Union as an area of freedom, security and justice by making full use of possibilities offered by the Treaty of Amsterdam. The European Council sends a strong political message to reaffirm the importance of this objective and has agreed on a number of policy orientations and priorities which will speedily make this area a reality. The Council will place and maintain this objective at the very top of political agenda and will keep under constant review progress made towards implementing the necessary measures and meeting the deadline set by the Treaty of Amsterdam. I this bureaucratic speak, isn't it? And the Vienna Action Plan and the present conclusions. In close connection with the area of freedom, security and justice, the European Council has agreed on the composition, method of work and practical arrangements attached in the Annex for the body entrusted with drawing up a draft charter of fundamental rights of the European Union, etc., etc. This is going to strengthen the common foreign and security policy, including developing a European security and defence policy, the European Council expects the new Secretary General of the Council and High Rep for the CFSP, Mr. Javier Solana, to make a key contribution to this objective, etc., etc. And then they go through, basically, again, it says to, is to integrate the, the, the European countries even tighter and take over all of its national security services, basically, until it is, it is the, the system for all ex-countries. I call them ex-countries now, because that's what they are, of course. Now I'll also put up Obama's two-front migration surge plan and all the rest of it. And again, it's hardly worth reading, to be honest with you. And the answer to everything that's happening naturally 
know, it can't be to do anything that's practical, as you well know. But science again, science and money again, if the boys who make all this, all these contraptions, new facial recognition technology could stop the next terrorist attack. What a joke, eh? And the Departments of Defense and Homeland Security have invested in technology to prevent attacks like this one in Brussels, including facial recognition technology that can spot and flag a suspected terrorist in a clear in a car <laughs> heading towards an airport or a crowded subway. What a farce that is. Eh? But bringing that technology out of the lab and getting it to airports and street corners is a lot harder than just snapping the photo. And then it gives you ten most expensive weapons in the Pentagon of the U.S., uh, systems arsenal But uh, again, come on Who's kidding who? Right? I can spot them in a car Well, supposing you put the guy on the floor In the car Or they put him in the trunk to get him there I mean, come, uh, come on come. This is only spying on all of you, of course And then CETA launches Smart Path Biometrics For passenger facial scans The global IT provider CETA S-I-T-A, has unveiled its new smart path technology, which allows passengers to check in and board an airplane after a biometric check. Once verified, travellers will be allowed to travel without needing to show any boarding pass, passport or travel documents at each step of their journey. Now, they were bringing that in in the late 90s, even in Canada, because they knew it was coming up. All all the country's uh, fake uh, leaders who are part of the one club, uh, are, are well aware, and I still are we're all aware, of the whole plan. So they knew it was coming before 9-11 even happened, and what they would want out of it as well. So it says the, the biometric test will capture passenger information during the facial scan at the first journey point. And it's integrated with existing airport infrastructure and airline systems, as well as government databases to enable Enable easy immigration and border checks, etc., etc. What a world, eh? But that's what they planned a long time ago. Because you see, all of you, uh, they can't be trusted. Uh, they, they have a pretty good idea through your daily uh, communications with your, your, your Facebook pages and everything else that you do. They have a pretty good idea of everybody's personality profile. You're very predictable once they have it. And they keep a lifelong, of course, update of it, daily update of it, to make sure that nothing happens to make you break out of it. If, they, if you break out of it in some way, you're asking strange questions, which are practical questions, that's what strange is today, then you're now suspect, you see. So they want to know all about you all the time. They have all that. I've done too many talks in the past about that. It bores me stiff. And uh, many of my regular listeners, too, I'm sure, bore stiff. It's all in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But, uh, yeah, the, the answer to it all surely is, is more more surveillance, of course. What, what, a, what a nonsense that. Folk are coming in by the millions across Europe, and they, most of them don't even have ID of any kind. You can't verify a darn thing. So... It's all a big joke. Never mind that. Two folk who uh, come in as refugees uh, because of nowhere else to go and belong to a strong ethnic tradition um, can be radicalized down the roads when they hear their own particular leaders in these new countries they're moving into blame everything on the West. 
So uh, it's perpetual terror forever now. That's the technique to be used to bring in peace and safety and security for the world. And I'm not kidding about that. They actually prat one about that. Peace, security and safety for the whole planet is when everybody's under the same hell, basically. That's the plan for the future. So is it this, the group at the top who planned it all, who planned world wars and all the rest of it, who, went, who planned the neocon invasion across the Middle East and had their list drawn up in the 90s of all the countries they wanted to demolish. Uh, and all the aftermath too. I gave talks about that years ago. You'll have all the refugees flooding in too to the West and that that will bring in the radicalization into across Europe, etc. That's basic strategy, of course. Now you'll find guys who are up in the big think tanks uh, who even advise governments for strategies, etc. They're well aware of that. They're well aware. They talk about that freely, quietly, uh, but never, never publicly, believe you me. But because they know the agenda too, and they know where their paychecks come from nice big fat paychecks. But uh, yeah, common sense goes out the window, and when it goes out the window, then there's, there's always a plan there. That's obvious, folks. And I knew that years ago because the big boys themselves love to boast about it in their books, and they publish lots and lots of books. Still do, actually. Maybe not as many, but still do. Put them out like Jack's Tally, I'll put them out. Uh, about the f- future of uh, of the big big plan, and uh, many others too. They have quite an ego there, and it's generally their own people who read these books. The general public don't find them sexy; they find them kind of boring, and uh, they they don't want boring anymore because they've been trained and conditioned again to always look for pleasure, seek pleasure, ignore pain of any kind, that includes mental pain of any kind, until you're utterly helpless and defenseless. That has been done incredibly successfully across the Western world. It took years to implement it and there was gradualism of course, it's still going on of course through everything you watch on television and the propaganda that's spouted out to you on a daily basis and of course the school system is perfect today where there's nothing to hold on to anyway anymore when you know, well, you might be a little boy who wants to be a girl and things like that. You have no idea what you want to do when you grow up, you see. And um, there's nothing, there's nothing what you would take as a traditionally normal thing to hold on to because tradition must be completely demolished. And that's a technique of warfare, you see. I hope you understand that. They always say you are what you eat. And you become what you eat. And you also have the same thing to do with what you become, what you think, and what you do. You, you become what you've been indoctrinated to become. It works very successfully with the majority of people, but not with a few. And that's always a few that become the problem, because free speech is verboten as you well know. And anybody who wants to grow up to be a a real, rational human being must be allowed, even as a child, to ask any question they want to ask and to understand, truly understand things and not be given piecemeal bits, the censored bits are prohibited. Any question must be answered, you see, to have a rational mind 
where you can give honest, true opinions on things. But facts don't count today. Only the agenda matters. And it's such, it's such an awful, awful tragedy that the group that, that fomented World War I and Two got off with it. Uh, pulled it off because you would never have had the far, it was called the far left organizations coming up with all the power that they came up with. Uh, and the big plan, of course, was always there in the very beginning. But it would never have happened if it wasn't too easy to use basic, natural, tribal instincts to the maximum and have folks slaughter each other on the massive scale they did. Uh, it, that was uh, incredible. It, it was pulled off that way. And that spelled the downfall of sanity. The massive slaughter is spelling insanity, basically. And that's what war is. It's, it's authorized insanity. And meanwhile, the, the real war that was behind it all and use uh, and create these, foment these particular massive, massive disasters are well aware of how they can benefit their agenda by making it all happen. It's not happy, of course, but again, who, who promised you a rose garden, eh? It's in a song, and that's where it stays. And how can you be happy uh, in the midst of insanity unless you are insane yourself? From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. 